love, kindness, human connection. These are some of the things we talk about on The Danny Painter Show. It's a thing. This show is intended for a more mature audience. We might sometimes say bad words. Um, so we've actually been trying to do this for a very long time. And Sher and I have known each other for a bit now through our mutual friend, Ronaldo Schwab, who did the documentary feature Skiff, which Sher is part of. And this is going to be a learning experience, I think. I want Sher to teach me all of the things, um, to check me where I am wrong, and hopefully she can do the rest for that for you as well. Um, so Sher, welcome to my home. I'm really hey. excited to be here. I know, and I've not actually been to your physical home yet. <laughs> one time I was in Johannesburg, you know, we missed it a little bit. Yeah. But um, it's so lovely to be here with you after so long. Oh my gosh, yeah, we used to, um, I used to get drunk and everyone used to watch me get drunk on house parties. Now it's changed to just get drunk alone and everyone else lives their best lives. So talk to me about, so I know why I wanted to interview you. I think you are one of the most inspirational humans I've ever met legitimately. And just your authenticity and your transparency about the journey that you're currently on. And we'll get into that and we'll share all of that. But tell me a little bit about your background. Where are you from? What were you as a little human? Like, 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 tell me that. I want to hear about the foundation of your life. Yeah, so I'm from the city of Cape Town, sprawling metropolis, as they love to call it. Um, yeah, and I grew up in Cape Town, um, sort of in an area called Kales River, with mom and dad, brother and sister. So I have two older siblings. Um, they're much older than me, so I'm what people would call a lot on a key. And essentially, like it was very weird i would say like normal people have this upbringing where you know the youngest child has what do you call it like young kid syndrome where you know that the eldest one sort of is like the independent one and the middle one is the problem child um and i think that that sort of like set a bar because my siblings are so much older than me um there was a sense of like you need to be independent and be able to do things on your own because we're all adults and like you're the only one who's essentially a child so like i kept to myself quite a bit but i was very talkative always been quite talkative and i think for my parents that was one of the things where they were like they struggled but it's funny because they're all quite talkative so you know it was kind of like this family of people who just love expressing themselves and love being creative and love talking but there was always something about me that was slightly different. And I think for my parents, it was quite hard to comprehend being a person of color. Um, you know, I say person of color as if it has an impact on the access to knowledge, but it kind of does in a sense where, you know, people of color usually don't, you know, access, let's say like psychologists or psychiatrists or therapy or that sort of thing up until recently. So it wasn't something that my parents really understood what being trans was. And I think to them, especially in the colored community, so to speak, you know, words get thrown out, morphe off, um, those sort of the F-bomb, which I don't think is great, but those are sort of words that were then given to me because I was quite effeminate, which is funny because right, like at this point in time, I, I don't think of myself as being quite feminine. But um, yeah, so I was quite effeminate and it was something that I think was thrown around not only by 
people external from my own family, but also in my family. Um, and it is just one of those things. I, I guess we can't excuse it by saying it is just one of those things. But if you don't really understand something, um, how do you sort of address it? So, yeah, I grew up like that and I went to primary school um, at a school called La Viance, which was a great school because it really um, allowed me sort of a, a space of freedom to express myself creatively. Um, and yeah, and then high school in the city where I really got to experience, I traveled in using the train with my mom because she worked in Cape Town. And it was always quite fun to be able to engage with different people on the train. And for me, it was a space where I did my homework or, you know, I was reading. And it, that always was for me, like books just became something that I engaged in and, and, and read quite a lot to sort of distract myself from the reality of the situation that I was in. And, you know, I don't know who I am and I don't know how to figure it out. And back then it was like, I mean, I didn't really have access to the internet at that age until getting to high school. And even then, you know, nothing sort of, I didn't really figure it out on my own. And I've always heard about people being trans, but they use quite an outdated term called transvestite, which didn't sit right with me. And it, all the sort of people I saw represented in the media, just there was no connection for me. I sort of, I had this gut feeling where I was like, ew, that's, oh, no, like it's, I don't resonate with that. It doesn't resonate with me. And it was always these, it was almost like a comical representation of what trans people look like. It's always a really manly woman or um, just someone who, like that was just the general representation. Not that I'm saying that, you know, manly women don't exist, that, that is an actual thing. And, um, you know, some trans people obviously don't choose to transition hormonally or, or have surgeries or that kind of thing. So they often, you know, represent that specific demographic and there's a space for, for, for people to, to be who they are that way. So, yeah. So going, going back to the beginning, um, I didn't, I didn't introduce you as a trans woman because it's not my story. It's yours. Yeah. And I wanted you to, to get us to that point. Um, but when you were little and you say you were different, what was that? Did you know that this was not right? Like how how I look and how I feel don't match? Like what is that mm. in a very like layman's terms feeling? Like what was that? Yeah, so that's generally called dysphoria, which funnily enough is how psychologists and psychiatrists used to do things where if you wanted to access hormones or access treatment you needed to be diagnosed with gender dysphoria but it's not something that all trans people necessarily experience i mean i had dysphoria mainly with the genitals i want to say it was god given but i mean it was a mistake on his part to be honest um, but yeah, so that's something that people generally do experience. I've always been quite feminine looking. So, I mean, I had those instances where people were like, what are you? Like, you know, and I'd have to sort of go into the spiel of describing, um, I am a boy, which also never really sat right having to tell people that, but I had to sort of describe myself that way because that is all I knew essentially. Um, so for me, like, I always looked quite feminine. I had a very slim frame. So it wasn't that that hard for me to almost, like, as I started transitioning, pass really well, like, look okay. almost cis. But um, so dysphoria is something that a lot of people experience. And it, it either starts with, 
for some people and for me specifically, I was always uncomfortable with the hardware that I was given at You can birth. say all the words here. This is this is your platform. If you want to say them, you can say them. Yeah, no, I'd say hard hardware because I'm also uncomfortable using the word penis in reference to myself. Okay. Like like it makes me a little bit uncomfortable, but I guess that that is technically what it is. Um, so I think even from the age of three, like my mom and I had this discussion like recently where I actually explained to her that there was a reason that at the age of three I told her like I'm capable and why I sort of learned to to bathe myself in a way where I was like I don't want you in the room when this is happening like I prefer to do it on my own so wow. at the age of three I was sort of you know precocious enough to be like I'm fine you can leave me I'll do it myself like I have the ability to wash myself I don't need you guiding me um, and that was my first sort of inkling into uncomfortability and you know I think for a lot of trans people when they do realize that realization comes so quickly and then everything sort of makes sense like there's a stark realization of I'm uncomfortable with this because I don't feel comfortable in this body yeah. that I have and a lot of things make sense so when you know when I think in grade one or something one of the teachers told my mom and my she said you know he doesn't hang out with the boys he only hangs out with girls and the teacher told my mom to sort of reprimand me and tell me that I need to spend more time to sort of socialize with boys and I was like why boys are stupid you know they have very little cognitive ability in conversation <laughs> I don't want to be running around playing rover rover it's it's not the thing for me you know I'd rather be sitting around in the playground having my lunch and having a you know a classic conversation and if that's ascribed to boys then I want no part in it so that was quite interesting and that's something that I think trailed with me throughout my schooling which which was interesting because why are we policing children and telling them who and what they should be hanging out with that to me also just does not make any sense Anything whatsoever yeah. and I think for a large part as well my family is quite Christian and they're very religious but that sort of religious rhetoric that comes in where you know we need to stick with like boys need to be socializing with boys and girls and always the separation of here's the boys line here's the girls line pink I think blue. it's so un pink and blue and it's so unnecessary I mean I've always been a person who's into black like I don't even what's the consideration for pink and blue <laughs> where like can we do better like in my daily life now I make a point someone I know is having a baby I make a point of it to only give them white gray and black yeah, items of clothing for kids i i refuse for this pink and blue nonsense you know a child should be able to decide for themselves i feel you know kids these days are they've got access to so much information on tiktok yeah. and socials or wherever they're engaging with content but, you know they're able to to self-identify with with who and what they feel they might be and for parents and religious organizations and for just other people in general to make this decision on behalf you, of the yeah. child you know like I get obviously there are harmful things like children shouldn't be you know playing with knives and trying to cut themselves or those kind of things but within limits I mean for a child to decide like I like this and it changes because children are like learning and as they learn they realize more and more about themselves but like let kids explore let kids be children yeah so it was quite funny for me that at every point there was an adult telling me no, 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 wow. no, no, 
no. To the point where my distrust in adults was obviously at an all-time high to the point of like me going and telling my parents like it's fine i don't really need any help applying for university or going to university i can do it myself like anything that you can do i have the ability to do i probably know more than you because i research more than you and i i'm interested in, in doing sort of research on my own so that i think was yeah interesting and a, a, a big journey of discovery for me on my own which a is important and and you know i always had this sense that my parents would disown me because it's such a it's such a common thing that happens when people eventually do come out or come to their senses that was my biggest fear and the only reason i never really told my parents what was happening when you know when i knew and i started medical transitioning i sort of did it on my own but my father picked it up. He's one of those curious people as well who did his own research. And he sort of was like, you just need to tell your mom. I think it's important that you let your mom in on what's happening in your life. And I said, no, you know, it's your wife. You deal with her. You tell her what, what it is you know, and we can go wow. from there. We can have a conversation once everyone's been informed, but it's also not my responsibility. I don't think at any point is it anyone's responsibility to have to inform someone else no. about their own life like if you're interested you can ask and i can refuse to answer or i can answer you in a way that i think benefits me in this engagement because you're the one who wants to know not me can i ask you show going through like formative things like high school and starting to date and like enjoying the company of a certain group of people right i i enjoyed everyone's company i'm just going to be straight up and tell you that but um when when that happens to you i obviously i'm projecting because it's not my lived experience it's yours but i can only imagine how frustrating it must be for people to refer to you with with the slurs that they would because you aren't that you're not acting yeah. in that capacity within yourself, right? You're not gay. Mm. You're straight. You're in the wrong body. Mm. So, mm, 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 yeah, mm. I'm dating boys, but I'm not a boy. Is yeah. that not very frustrating? And like, how do you, how do, can you explain that dynamic to me? So I think it's interesting that you bring this up because for, you know, in primary school when kids started showing interest in, let's say, the opposite sex or whichever sex they were interested in it was always strange for me to admit to other people like I had a crush on this one and that one because even just knowing that made me a little bit uncomfortable and that the identifier of being gay just didn't sit right with me um and for a large portion of my life I even if someone asked what are you like are you a boy or are you a girl I'd always just say I'm an alien <laughs> it's you know it is what it is i don't know i haven't figured it out it's not important and that sort of limited me from even engaging a lot let's say sexually or or in dating up until i was in varsity and had actually figured it out for myself to come out which is then another whole big hurdle as well and i think it's interesting because in high school my parents were very much still of the idea that there might be an opportunity or there might be a chance that I might still, like be straight and just be very effeminate. Okay. Um, and it was interesting because I think at that point I was really interested in a girl, which is, yeah, I was really interested in a girl, but 
in a way where I was appreciating her beauty and my mom sort of took it, you know, she's like, why didn't you do anything? Why didn't you engage? So they were kind of very encouraging. I mean, I come from a family who's also very like sexually free. So it's not something that's sort of taboo to discuss or uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, she, she sort of just questioned and she was like, why didn't you? And I was like, I don't know, it's, you know, like just didn't feel normal. It didn't feel right. And I think even for me as a trans person, there's a, there's a thing that happens when a lot of trans people transition is that oftentimes their sexuality changes and it has a lot to do with you being comfortable in, in your own body and space. So what happened for me was I was mainly attracted to men. There would be women now and then that I'd be like, oh, so attractive, would vibe. But I never really pursued anything. Um, I did obviously dabble, like she is a little slutty or she was. Um, so we I definitely- all, We missed all this, guys. We missed all yeah. this. You don't know. Like you, you gotta like try everything, you know. In order exactly, to try before you buy is what I always say. Yeah. Um. So I definitely experimented, explored in high school, um, but it always felt strange because you know it was either with boys at school. Um, I said at boarding house, so it was sort of co-ed, and there were there was a girls' boarding house and a boys' boarding house. But I did experiment in high school with some boys. Um, who are obviously straight, but I think even in the back of their mind, they did not see me as a guy, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and then with some gay men, I did experiment. Uh, but as I, as I started transitioning and, well, not as I started, because I think transition is an ongoing process and we're yeah. all constantly changing. But when I started my medical transition, let's put it that way. Um, as things physically started aligning for me much better, and I felt a bit more comfortable in my own body, I was able to see myself or visualize myself with another woman, which was an interesting thing for me. I think hand size has always been an issue where I'd always be like, if I'm dating a woman or if I'm engaging in things with a woman, I don't want to appear masculine or manly in relation to said person. I'd okay. prefer it if we were both viewed as women together that would that sits better with me so to the point where now i can say that i'm bisexual although i am in a relationship with a man um you know there is now that sense of comfortability and i think once you know i do have gender confirmation surgery it might even change even more where i might only exclusively be interested in women and it's a thing that happens quite often for trans people i've i mean so many trans people date men while they're transitioning, early transition, um, or trans women specifically, and then end up, you know, exclusively dating women, yeah. or opening that up and, you know, identifying as pansexual and dating everyone under the sun. So for me, largely men, and I mean that trans men, cisgendered men, men, and, you know, the occasional woman here and there, who I do tend to, to find attractive. But I, I wouldn't even limit myself to that. I think. I could put myself in the umbrella of pansexual and say that, you know, I, I do gen genuinely like people for who they are and I'm attracted to people for who they are as opposed to what they do have between their legs because yeah. I can't, you know, I can't, I can't sit here and say to you um, that I have these preferences but then expect someone else to look at me and then say, I could never date you because you have a you know, you have a penis. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. For so, now. For now. For now. For now. Well, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Because I know, obviously, and I just, I just wanna, I just wanna say this because I feel like we're gonna, a lot of people are gonna be quite like attacky about this, this podcast in general. And I would mm. just like to say that this conversation is um, shares experience, and yours might be different, and that's okay. That's absolutely 100% okay. There are many, many different ways and means that you could be comfortable within your body. Um, mm -hmm. And just because sure isn't, it doesn't mean that there is any dislike or or hate or trolling or, or any kind of like any ill feeling towards anyone who's comfortable with the way that they are, right? Absolutely. Your hardware and your body and your experience and your journey is your own. Yeah. This is only mine yeah okay so coming out now this is something this is something that i've spoken about at length because i there was wait before we do this i, I have a question for you is it a privilege to be more feminine and what did you you said you had not appeared um you said you could pass is that what you is that the oh word? yeah pass 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 yeah is that a privilege yeah. Um, people say it's a privilege and I think, I think it is, it's a privilege when it comes to violence that trans people face, that you can move seamlessly through a space that is, um, a cisgendered normal space, quotation marks, hockey's put that heavily there, yeah. a normal space where there are no other trans people and can move through that space without being outed or being, you know, that's sort of the, the weird, strange person in the room where people, you know, say, oh, that's the trans person you can see. So it, it makes it easier navigating those kind of spaces. And I think it does lessen the chance of you being a victim of violence or, or a hate crime if you're moving through those spaces. Um, so, yeah, I think in that sense, for sure. But passing is I'm so over this whole like passing thing because what does it matter? You know, it's your experience, it's your it's your it's your life, it's your body. You know, it should be valued at all times, and and passing should never be the goal. I mean, no. it should never be the goal. You should be comfortable with what you look like and how you present yourself. And I know that for a lot of trans people, you know, physically changing your appearance is is one thing, but then also the voice I think is is a thing that people get stuck on because often if people have gone through a male puberty or a female puberty and have then transitioned for for people who are assigned female at birth and then transition to male it's much easier because testosterone will make your voice drop whereas the reverse is not is not possible because your voice is already broken your vocal cords are thickened and you know you have to have an actual surgery to to thin those vocal cords again so that you're able to speak at a higher pitch or go through vocal training which is tough it's something i've never had to do because i've always sounded like this blessed in a sense like blessed beyond compare if i consider myself and i compare myself to other trans women i engage with i really am blessed in that I've always sort of sat on the border between masculine and feminine. And like, I like to describe it as when I went through puberty, my voice never dropped, 
my vocal range just expanded yeah. to the point where I can now speak at like this is how I speak in general, but I can also speak like that if I wanted to. Kind of Sexy thing. as fuck. Why are you not a voiceover artist? Look at your, oh, you look at your is, range. Though. I know, I know. <laughs> I was giving you shit. I know. Yes. Okay. Um, back to the coming out coming out um i completely agree with you um in the sense that i don't feel like like there should be balloons and glitter and like oh Mm. this is what i am because that's also very fluid but i come from a place of immense privilege where it wasn't ever questioned you could date Mm. whomever you wanted and bring them for dinner on a friday night and it was just like oh that's danny's girlfriend or that's danny's boyfriend you know it, it was never questioned so I have to ask you, coming out as trans, I feel like, and 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 you can check me on this, but I feel like it would be more acceptable for many families if you just came out as gay. Because trans means a lot. And going yeah. back to what you said earlier, and I remember this, and, and I don't come from a problematic family, but I remember people when I was growing up being referred to as transvestites. And mm. I remember them kind of being like the pariah of the town. And yeah. when you saw them, like everyone would stare. I, I vividly remember that. And I could just, I can only think that even in my non-problematic family, I mean, I can't put anything on them, but it, it, like, isn't it, isn't it harder to come out as trans? What do you say? Eek. It's, I mean, I speak from a place of privilege on this as well, where my dead name has just been like shortened to become sure. So I'm not going to give it away, but like, it's really obvious. People who know me know what it is. They won't ever call me that, but they know what it is. Um, So people have just started calling me sure anyways, when I started presenting a bit more feminine which made it quite easy i just go sure and then i think the movement was really like up in the arms of people needing to be accepting of trans people around the time and i think i've only said i'm trans to a therapist and that was it the rest of my friends sort of just jumped on the bandwagon i sort of changed all my profiles and things on socials and i just was like yeah cool and then just started posting content about trans people as opposed to like making it official and being like having sit downs. And that's sort of, I think also how my father was doing his own research on YouTube, which is a, was a great source for me in like my first year of varsity where I also was like, I, I guess I'm trans. Yeah, that, that makes sense to me. It feels right. It's the first sort of label that then stuck for me. And my father was doing his own research to the point where he came and he was sent me an SMS and said, very old school SMS, jeez. Sent me an SMS and said, it's probably time you have a conversation with your mother. I'd already known that he was researching this in between some of my visits when I went home. I knew that he was researching it because I used to use his phone, you know, dad's always got the data. So I was using his phone, watching videos and I checked some of his like history and he was watching you know, videos about trans people and trying to obviously learn and understand for himself because I think he sort of, they've always had an inkling, they've always known. Um, um, So he ended up telling my mom and then subsequently they told the rest of the family, like I've never had a sit down conversation with any of my 
nuclear family or extended family about it the only conversations we have had is them inquiring about sort of like hormones how it works surgeries what i would be interested in um and and also uh, so yeah this is quite weird and i hope my sister doesn't see this but um <clears throat> so i have a my eldest niece she's also a little bit more on the masculine side of life and my sister was like yeah well if you know if she is then at least like we have you as a sort of like backup which is a good thing and i think it's it's interesting because not only am i now the representation i wish i had seen in my own life but yeah. i could be that for someone else not saying that you know they may or may not be trans but i think it'll be easier in future for for people to come out because of that sort of representation but coming out as a whole is just it's so taxing why does it have to be an event why know. do we have to now like we can just do it one on one i i usually do this because there are still people that did name me and use the wrong pronouns and these are mostly people from primary school or people i don't engage with at all but i'd often see them at events and that kind of thing and it's kind of like well why would you be referring to this gorgeous stunning woman as he and by a, a totally different name and i'm usually so uncomfortable that i'll leave the conversation because to me being misgendered and dead named is such a strange concept in that very rarely does it happen mm. but when it does i'm stumped like there are trans people who obviously experience it on the daily and then have great comebacks for for being dead named or being misgendered but For me it's such an uncomfortable thing that I I prefer to just step away, walk away, ignore, ignore, stay away, skirt around edges away from those people and then send them a message on Instagram and be like I feel like it was really uncool for you follow me on Instagram. You know. You, you know like you know. Yeah. You know. You're you can just see. Being a dick. Yeah. You're you're just or you're just being like clueless to what is happening right in front of you. Um But yeah, like I don't think like people should be making this bigger deal of coming out because like do we have to come out about everything? That straight this people is my, have to this come is out my then, argument. You know? Like, like you I, need to tell me that you're straight then. Yeah, or not like, you, but yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. Or or like I'm gonna never have children. Or I'm thinking of getting a puppy. Everyone, like everyone on my yeah. Instagram, I'm gonna get a. I'm I'm identifying as getting a fucking puppy. Like I'm yeah. here for it. Like if you if you feel that you want to and you need to, you should. I just don't mm. see the points of like society expecting it of you, because mm. it has absolutely nothing to do with anyone. Yeah. At all, yeah. actually. Yeah. Because essentially. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. What you identify as. As long as I don't fuck up your pronouns, which you'll tell me if I do. That's all I yeah. care about. I just want you to be happy, that's all. Um but you see maybe we are we are definitely speaking from a place of privilege because we don't have people that refuse, you know, like refuse. Yeah. Axel me. I will not. I will not. It's against everything I stand for. I'm like it's two words. You can just say it's just a word. It just it doesn't yeah. do anything it doesn't take anything away from your day to use someone's correct pronouns if if that's what they would like like it's easy but i think i think this is a thing like i live in an echo chamber of queer people and yeah. straight people who are queer allies to the point of i'm so distanced from the fact that this does happen where people are homophobic transphobic 
whatever other phobic under the sun so distanced from it that when i do actually encounter it in real life i'm just like shook and stumped like what in 2021 it's like it's shocking to me but i guess that it is the reality for some people um funny story i feel like i need to add this in there it has nothing to do with being trans or whatever but was sitting at a went to meet a friend there were more than five people which was uncomfortable um only wanted to see two of the people uh ended up there and the one friend says ah i'm so proud of this girl she's white she's Afrikaans so proud of her she came from a homophobic family that's also a little bit racist and she you know she is now so accepting in her own life and I was like really are we congratulating white people for the bare minimum at this point like the bare minimum like common decency yeah she got really offended I was like of all people please bitch like relax no need to be offended he got offended he's a gay man person of color the other white people at the table around me like no for what and i was like thank you for vindicating what or, 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 or backing up what i'm yeah. saying is we, we don't need to be congratulating people for having common decency i get that you know your background that you come from your people may not be accepting of certain things but that doesn't have to impact your life you're an adult a grown person can make your own decisions you decide whether or not you want to be prejudiced towards other people based on gender sexuality race etc not your back exactly not your background like i'm not going to congratulate you for the bare minimum <laughs> shit sure i've done a lot of good in my life i would like some congratulations at some point man congratulations at what you're, point? <laughs> you're a I successful voiceover artist presenter <laughs> You're just a queer ally. You're just a safe space for all of us. Uh, yeah, no, I just want to, yeah, no. You know, it's, um, wow. That's, you know, that actually, that that shocks me. That shocks me and it angers me because, like, there were there were people that were like, yes, she deserves And there are going to be, like, the people that are going to go, but mm. she does deserve it. Yeah. And no, 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 guys. Because no, the bar is Linda. fucking low then. The bar is low. <laughs> if you need to be congratulated for accepting people for who they are, then the bar is too low and we need to like raise that. The bar is on the ground. The bar <laughs> is on the ground. It absolutely is at this I, point. I want to talk to you about transitioning and, and hormones because I find this highly interesting. I really want to talk about this. But one more question about your, your youth and like going back home. Mm. When, when you go back home, uh, how has your mom and your dad dealt with like pictures because my mother's whole house is just fucking pictures and sandy would die if she had to like pack them away okay so i'm a person of color we my family you know they've got that one picture of the baby so it'll be my sister's okay. Um, okay. kids and okay. so on and so forth but the rest are in albums okay um i'm not too triggered by like childhood photos of me it, it, it is my life it was who I I mean I, I'll say I I have always been trans I just did not realize it and that is obviously still me okay. um 
So, like, I'm not embarrassed by the pictures or, or, or that sort of thing. It is me. It, it is who I am. But it's not. It wasn't that big of an issue because my people are not people that like to display images. You know, like I'm not that kind of person, and I think it comes from the way I grew up, where you know we keep it in an album, and let's say on Sunday we're having cake and tea. Let's go down memory lane. Let's bring out the albums. Let's laugh. Like let's laugh. Let's set the scene of what was happening in this picture. So it's more like it's more that. Okay. Um, as opposed to where, so so one thing my family do love though is like medals and awards and trophies and that sort of thing, which I have tons of because I was an academic, an academic assassin back in the day. Cool. Um, so there are tons of those, but it's sort of like placed whilst with the names hidden, um, just so that I'm not uncomfortable. But I'm really not uncomfortable because it's not something I even pick up. You know, okay. like I'm supposed to have a high school reunion at some point soon-ish, which is quite weird because I intend asking them if they can change the plaque, all the plaques that have my name on it, to just like, I mean, it's easy. It's just three letters. Just swipe them away. Just I need you plaques. Like, pl you you want to go to a high school reunion for the plaques? I don't think I'll get invited to my high school reunion because I was such a troublemaker. You're here, like, with fucking things on the wall and stuff. <laughs> she killed it back in the day. She killed right? it. Now she's just a mediocre <laughs> capitalist slave. No, no, that's why you're here. You see, you killed it back in the day so that you could, like, you know, the, the children that are really good in school, the, the parents always say, like, if, if, if you, they behave too well in school, they're going to fall off the rails sometime. You're in media. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you see, I, at least I don't think I peaked though. I think in high school, I definitely was um, a little bit sassy, a little bit feisty. And I think it was because I definitely was obviously trying to mask, hmm. subconsciously trying to mask something. So I wouldn't, like I did really well at school, but I would not say that all the teachers liked me because um. to be quite honest, I'm a little bit cunty. People who know me know that I'm, yeah. I'm and I get a little bit feisty. Like if things don't sit well with me, I'll open my mouth. I'm not about to sit there and, you know, let injustice happen or, um, but also I think the one teacher that did like me sort of let me get away with a lot of stuff. Even the school <laughs> entirely just let me get away with a lot of stuff. I mean, we weren't allowed to grow out our hair. I definitely did that. We were supposed to wear school shoes. I definitely wore Mr. Price espadrilles and changed those to my school shoes. They were just more comfy. They looked better. Wow. You know, I, I, I did a lot of things I wasn't supposed to. Dyeing your hair, oh, I went ham. Wow. I think that your feistiness and, and your mouth is one of your best qualities because you, in in the times that we've been together on online or wherever, um, you have definitely allowed me to see that I have space to stand up and, mm. and speak words and take up space and say no. Um, so that I, I have to give you props for that. I think that you don't realize how much change you affect um, within the people that are around you. But okay, so speaking about change, this this interests me very much because in the this, the 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 heterosis community, like we we want a lot of things, right? We want to be thin. We want to look like Britney Spears. We want a million rand. We're none of us are willing to fucking put in any work for it. Like we just kind of wanted to just appear right yeah you are actively changing your entire life from your name to your hardware to the software because you're going to be on on hormones for i don't know you'll tell me 
you're you're actively doing all of the things and i just feel like we really should be more inspired by the trans community because fuck yeah. you guys will do anything to be what you want and i can't even lose five kilograms so yeah what is not that i'm comparing that at all the struggle is, is i mean the same at all no it's it's not but it's it's comparable i guess i would say i just so okay so you decide you want to transition yeah what is the where to from here so i think when i started they had a different sort of medical model that they used which was you need to be diagnosed with having gender dysphoria by the dsm five or whatever it was so basically they would diagnose you with mental disorder gender dysphoria and then you could access hormones and someone would prescribe it to you but you'd have to have like therapy sessions and so on and so forth now it's obviously changed there's the informed consent model that they're using which means you go and see your doctor your doctor tells you what the risks are and you say it's fine you sign on the dotted line and you have access but oh, the wow. problem in this country is that in other countries um like the UK and America access to hormones and that sort of thing is free or it's covered by your insurance whereas in this country it isn't if your legal documents don't match your your presentation of gender so the medical aids in this country won't cover that sort of thing which means that you either then have to go through one of two places which is the vits rhi which they only cover a very small uh, portion of the country or through Kroteskid in Cape Town where you can obviously access hormones for free they only prescribe a specific type of hormone um for for trans women um being pulls or patches which is estrogen and then they'll prescribe you blockers which blocks testosterone and for trans men they'll prescribe testosterone i'm not too sure about the kind of testosterone they prescribe because i know that testosterone is mostly just available in injectable form um but you only need a t- like a t shot i think it's i can't i'm not going to i'm not going to answer on that because no. i have very little experience but for me i had a session and then was recommended to go to a gp so because i didn't want to sit and wait on a waiting list at Kroteskid to wait for hormones i went directly to a doctor and she prescribed me so you can go to your gp and they are allowed to prescribe you estrogen doctors all doctors should have access to a little book that tells you what to prescribe for what um so she put me on patches which was very low dose and sort of starting which you change every few days or you pop a new one on and it releases estrogen through the skin then i was quite a little bit sick of that and she recommended that we switch to pulls which is perfectly fine but i hate taking pulls think of it as like taking a birth control every single morning yeah. um and in this case it's not every single morning i would split my dosage because it makes it easier because estrogen in pull form has a 12 hour half life which oh, means wow. it only works for 12 hours so you've got to take it so if you take it at 8 in the morning it's best to then take it at 8 at night again just before oh, you go to bed So pulls is a, is another one and also because it's a pull it has to go through your system and then has to be sort of um worked through by your liver which they can impact your liver health. So that was not an option that I was willing to be on for longer than however long I think I must have been on for 6 months. And I'm now um I have a, a doctor who is also trans which is really great because she understands um you know there's 
there's this guideline by the WPATH, WPATH or whatever, the international organization, and they sort of make recommendations based on how trans people should be cared for and what sort of treatment they should be offered. But my doctor, because she is trans herself and she is on quite a couple of online forums that I'm on, she's aware of sort of niche research or what other physicians are saying, what works best. So she has access as well to prescribing injectable estrogen, which is what I use now. And it's once a week, I inject once a week and I'm good to go for the rest of the week. She also prescribes blockers. Usually they prescribe blockers, but once you've been on injectable estrogen for long enough, you no longer require blockers because estrogen will act to lower the level of testosterone in your in your in your in your body anyway. Your testosterone testosterone produces testicles no longer basically function. I can tell you that it's a struggle to even find them if I have to go looking for them. They're like shrunk. They're almost non-existent, um, which is great. Like relieving dysphoria minimizing what it costs to like tack but hormones are are great in that some of the things that it does is so um one of the first things you'll notice is like softening of skin slowing like hair growth which happened for me like my family's quite hairy so <laughs> i used to be quite hairy but or not hairy the hair was quite dark but it's lightened quite a bit now and what else happens? So the one thing that I hated was that I used to get veins that pop out over here when it was too hot or whatever. And so estrogen obviously fills your skin layer. So like natal females will have a, a fat layer under their skin, which obviously then minimizes the appearance of those veins, yeah. which if I pinch my skin now, it's pretty much like it used to be just like super skinny, but now the fat layer is there. So it's great. Um, and then obviously breast growth, which happens over time, um, and breast growth, and then fat redistribution throughout the body. But because estrogen is fat soluble, if you are someone who, like me, was quite skinny, you might pick up a little bit of weight. So it's it's good to sort of like keep your exercise routine going but it's also really nice because you'll pick up weight and you can turn it into muscle so you yes. can sort of like shape your body as you go along if you're not wanting to have any surgeries which is i'm not interested in having like any other bodily surgery besides bottom surgery like i'm cool with the 90s model flat chest like it's my aesthetic it's my vibe yeah. and you know just fixing the bottom and maybe having a nose job because i do like the aesthetic of like a skinny little nose but those are kind of things that your doctor would recommend. If you want to have surgery, go on hormones for a couple of years, see what it does for you because it works different for everyone. So in terms of like breast growth, they'll usually ask you what cup size and, and is your mom or your sister. Um, so they'll ask you about your family history because that, that sometimes will indicate how you may develop. Wow. So if your family is quite large, a lot of trans women will develop larger breasts. My family, unfortunately, you know, they were all 90s models. It's not, it's, it's not for me, but um, it's fine because now I have a bum, which I did not really have before. Like it's, the juice just went to go and sit there. Um, and it really does, there's a, so those are just physical changes, but there's a sense of alignment that happens inside 
you when you go on like when i went on estrogen there was just a sense of calm and peace okay. that i experienced and it's something that people don't really even discuss because it's just anecdotal evidence like it's it's not evidence that you could really provide to a research facility but it's something that's so common amongst tra- trans people that the sense of relief comfort and just like alignment you feel like inner peace it's it's quite overwhelming mm. sure will you have to take it for the rest of your life yes so you will have to take it for the rest of your life um if you do stop the changes won't be reversed so if i do stop taking estrogen the changes won't be reversed but i mean my body will then stop producing testosterone, testosterone again and and that sort of thing unless obviously you go and have what they call an orchiectomy orchi- which is just removing your testicles um so it's it's usually what they do to men who have testicular cancer or whatever but um yeah so it's funny because like a, a warning that they obviously give trans women is that your bone density will decrease mm. and your muscle mass will lower um and you some people have to end up taking supplements because you know it's it's a thing that happens to women is that your bone density decreases mm. and taking estrogen obviously has that same impact so like i can attest to the fact that like things just are super cranky have been super cranky since like a year after starting test um estrogen imagine me estrogen but it's it's yeah the changes are so slight and slow that it takes quite a while for you to even notice that anything's okay. happening like it's not something you'll be able to see within a day's time but you can you can feel the alignment happening spiritually yeah you know what you you smile when you say that but i think that that's the most important part because i think as long as you feel in alignment with yourself how you got there doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't matter whether it's mm-hmm. placebo or not whether it's in your head or not you're there and so yeah. that's that's all that fucking matters okay so talk to me about um bottom surgery because this is this is the reason that you're on the show um we want to raise all of the money in the world to get her to go and get her bottom surgery mm-hmm. i watched some things on this and fuck me dude i hope they give you good drugs because oh my god just watching it i was like fuck no no yeah okay so talk to me about where how and like i know some people don't do it yeah you are the been dysphoric about that forever so yeah that's actually just been my like main problem issue in life i Got feel it. It, it, since day one as a child even it was the one thing i was like i let me just i i tried slipping it off as a child like it was one of those traumatic things that sometimes happen to really dysphoric children who detest detest wow. their hardware it's one of those things where i go to the bathroom and don't look down like it it's like i look up i sort of just use my hands and i'm like oh cool um cool cool in the shower i usually just like try, like 
avert my eyes. If I'm in the mirror and I don't have pants on, I'm usually just like, thank God the basin only goes up until fucking like my hip height. Thank goodness. So it's one of those things where like, I don't think people understand that dysphoria like hits, it's, it's one of those things, it, it's constantly with you. You're constantly aware of it. So I could be sitting somewhere and I'd be looking around, but I'm also like internally fixated on the fact that I may need to like adjust my pants, go to the bathroom. Um, oh, I have a very weak bladder as it is, but I go to the bathroom sometimes, not even to use the bathroom, just to fix what might be happening downstairs. Um, so it is, it's, it's, it's a point of great uncomfortability for me that I've obviously now had to live with for 27 years of my life, mm. but the end is in sight. So I have started a Backup Buddy, which has really been, Backup Buddy is one of those platforms that I think is so great at helping just average South Africans do the things. I mean, crowd, what's it called? Crowdfunder. Yeah. The, the, the big international the one, one is, yeah, yeah that's, it was sort of the basis, but I think Backer Buddy is such a great South African um, platform and they really do help you um, make the most of your campaign. So I started mine about three months ago, which it was really important for me to do. Um, I was sort of debating whether or not I should do it because it's something I'm like so uncomfortable speaking about that putting that information out there on the internet is, it's kind of scary. scary. But yeah, thanks to the help of like some of my compadres who are also trans and really encouraging me to actually put my story out there and make sure that people know that this is something that's been bothering me since I was a bambino. Um, a bambina, which is the feminine. Anyway, a, a bambina, a baby. Um, yeah, it, it's something I've obviously been looking forward to and I've done tons and tons of research. And this is one of those things where you have to sort of do a lot of research yeah. to find out what it is you want um, and, and, and who can give that to you. So for, let's say if I had started hormones or blockers before puberty and then went through and then did not go through puberty because I was a blockers and then started hormones at the age of 16 or 18. The hardware downstairs would have been non-existent, which means I would have had to take a different approach because it would have shrunk and been really tiny and I would have had to go to a, a specialized type of surgeon, which probably would have cost more. Okay. But I intend going to Thailand because Thailand is synonymous with trans people. I wasn't, wasn't going to go. <laughs> I mean, um, okay. it's just there. It's, you know, these things, they don't write themselves there. It's like that for a reason. And I think... Yeah. Because of Thailand's culture, obviously people are way more open to to trans people. I won't use the names that they call people there, but that's a certain debate for another day. Um, so because of that, South Africa surprisingly used to be at the forefront of um, transgender surgeries way back when. Um, like in the 1970s, they were actually at the forefront of that research because funding and, you know, Bruderbond energy, none of that sort of we didn't keep going which just sort of like plateaued and then dropped a little bit but so thailand surgeons are really at the forefront of trans medicine in, in in terms of producing great aesthetics function and giving you a good 
not only a good deal because it's so much cheaper. So like if you compare the surgery in South Africa versus in Thailand, it's about, it comes to about 200,000 Rand for the surgery alone. That's for your five days and stay in the hospital, you're paying for an anesthesiologist, you're paying for your doctor, you're paying for your nurse who comes to get you, you're paying for, you know, these doctors have set up centers where they have someone who comes to get you at the airport, drops you off at the hotel, they do checkups, they do all these things. Um, so that's all included in the cost, whereas in South Africa it's about 250,000 Rand. But none of and that's just for your hospital stay and then after that they send you home, check, go look after yourself. We'll yep. see you in a month for checkup or if you need yep. anything. Okay. So the, the the level of care that they actually have in Thailand is, is one of the things, and then also the techniques. So when it comes to bottom surgery for trans women, there's a couple of techniques. The oldest one is what is called like penile inversion, where they essentially just take the original hardware that you have, they remove some of this, the after penile skin, they use some of that erectile tissue, and they like make a new little hole they turn the penis basically inside out and put it inside of you and that is now your and then they create the outer the labia the labia majora and whatever they do that so like if we start at the beginning when you were still a cell developing into a fetus um the the genital area is generally the same until sort of your whichever chromosome kicks in if it's if you're a male it, you'll develop male genitalia right so which means like in science it's called like analogous um things right i think it's analogous or homologous anyways they're they're basically they come from the same thing right so the vagina and the penis have parts that would that would have originally come from the same um, thing yes. if it developed but yeah yeah so what these doctors now are doing with the newer techniques is they're essentially using that same material and a little bit of something else to create your designer vagina. So this is now no longer penile inversion. They use some of the tissue that you have down there. They create a clitoris, a clitoral hood, your labia majora, your labia minora. Um, The positioning is obviously very different from where penis is it's quite lower down so that you know that sort of thing happens but because your genital area is so highly vascularized because of the, all the nerves that you have there right so there's a lot of blood flowing there so it seems like a, a surgery that would be quite painful and hard to recover from it's actually quite quick because there's so much blood flowing through there so it means the healing does take significantly quicker than if you were to chop your leg off so okay. to speak. um so yeah, so it's it's interesting, and the doctor that I've chosen is Dr. Chetterworth or Dr. Sue Born, because they deliver the best aesthetic results, and they also have one free sort of um, correction that you can come and have. So let's okay. say in a year's time after having had surgery, and there's something you'd like to fix, or you've been watching porn and you saw a vagina, and you're like, I want, want my goal to look like that. We she needs do to that. have that. I'm telling you that that is a very slippery slope, my friend. No, don't do yeah. that because no, we all want those. Yeah. No, so that so that's sort of the thing. And the reason I sort of have this cosmetic revision is just so that in case, let's say during healing, something healed a little mm. bit weirdly, they can fix it. And there's usually what happens because you have surgery and you stay in this little center that they keep you in and then you've got to stay for 30 days um, in recovery so the doctor can check up on you and they can teach you to do dilation which is essentially to 
to make sure that the internal vaginal cavity stays open while healing so it doesn't close out the outside right and so that your your internal so like your pelvic floor can accommodate the fact that there is now a hole you have to dilate to sort of like teach those muscles that we are now a vagina and okay. we on yeah so the dilation is something they obviously teach you but what happens because they do dilation if you look at your own vagina when you go down closer to where your um your backside is um your lips will meet in what is called a posterior commissure right um so they can't create one like that when you are having your first surgery because essentially you've got to be dilating and if they did do that you'd, you'd rip tear that piece of yeah. skin and because you're continuously putting something inside of you so that's usually what people go back for for um fresh so fresh it yeah. needs to look fresh yeah. so yeah so thailand was always my first option i think um just because they are at the forefront of, of trans medicine and i think that i think when it comes to these sort of things trans people often always want the best the newest the mm. hottest thing no um, absolutely yeah but at, at the end of the day for me it's also just like i want to make sure that i'll have a successful surgery that i don't have any major complications and yes. that the surgeon i am with gives a damn about who i am as an individual and and what you want you know if yeah. He, yeah and if he's been in this industry for so long and you know he's seen trans women come and go and he, he cares individually about that so that i think has also been a major a major reason of me going to Thailand because I know that the standard of care there is so high when it comes to trans medicine. Are you going to be able to experience orgasm? Yeah. So Sorry, no, that's like my no. biggest concern. Like that's the only thing that Shame. I want. Like I really want you to, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Everyone worries about this. I'm like it's so like essentially what they do is they retain nerves and it's just repositioned so essentially, you know, you're your nerve endings just become your clitoris and okay. you know some of the nerve endings are left in the vagina um so yeah it it really just depends on how your body heals uh so i heal pretty well i have a very like high pain threshold so i tend to not experience pain when you know most people would be like oh that hurts oh, no not really okay. um so i think the only thing that I've heard people mention that's quite painful is when the nerve endings have to sometimes rejoin during recovery which you can sort of feel and it it's often like a continuous stinging sensation in like your clitoris or whichever part as that you know the nerve bad. endings are rejoining so <laughs> yeah and I I reckon that from what I've read and from other people's experiences and people have had like orgasms within like 3 weeks of just having surgery and it's it's quite holy shit okay it's quite intense but as you know from your own orgasms they're slightly different from male orgasms which are all sort of like interlinked between not only your nerve endings but your body being hormonally a specific way so if you are hormonally female I can say now that my organs now are longer mm. and less boom you know it used to be kind of like boom and it's done yeah. whereas now it's sort of like slow reverberation sometimes it folds sometimes it blunts longer more full body more head high but we're so you know? lucky we're so lucky yeah we're so, so lucky. much better so much better you've just described like male orgasms and i'm like shame nah. 
How boring. How disappointing. <laughs> okay. And then so they can't I'm... even go for another round until like we've got to wait. Bruh. We're like, okay, look, How let's go. Boring. How boring. You see, that's why, can I just, I was going to be very problematic in the beginning of this and say, um, when you were talking about how a lot of um, transgender people, uh, they end up dating, especially transgender women, uh, trans women end up dating women. And I was like, it's because they realize how problematic men are. But I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to be problematic. And now I am. So anyway. Poor, poor. <laughs> no, but it, I think also that, also because they can relate to women so much more. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. Not, not woman, but natal women. Remember. Yeah. Because I mean, we're all women, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so how far away are you from the end goal? How much money do you need? So I currently sit at 44,600 and something, oh, which shit. is like okay. 22%. So I think there's about 156 that I still need to, to raise. I have taken a break at the moment from just like posting about it because I think like inundating people constantly with the same thing is just like it's so taxing and emotionally taxing and I'd be sick of myself if I was the one reading all those story posts but um yeah and I think it's really great because I raised that in, in three months so you know most people don't even end up raising that in having run a campaign for a year yeah so i'm already really proud of, of how far it's gotten but you know all donations are always welcome at any point any time um to get link, us to the goal i'm gonna put a link to the backer buddy in um underneath the video in the comments of the video but sure um i wanted to talk to you about so much more stuff we've already spoken for an hour so i'm gonna okay. ask you where can we follow your journey um because i'm assuming you're gonna take us with you when you go yes okay so my producer friend and i um intend on actually recording shooting the entire thing so from setup in south africa so prior to to leaving for the journey um we'll do it'll be it'll it may or may not be a docu-series or it may be a full documentary i'm hoping for a docu-series so it is in talks at the moment but i think for us the main thing is is raising the funds first so that we are able to actually, so we've got people who are biting at the idea, but we need to be able to, like, no one's gonna fund that. I need to be able to fund that myself yeah. before going. So the project is in talks. Um, essentially, it will document the entire journey. You'd get to see, speak to the doctor, um, get to see more, a little bit more about my family. So my mom and possibly my partner, if they are up to it. Um, just to speak through my experiences and, and what exactly will be happening there so you know you can get an idea more more clearly an idea about what it actually entails what it looks like i mean i think at that point i'll be comfortable enough to just like no 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 or a no it's i don't know no, it's I, I, I don't i don't mean the the after perhaps the before maybe no, that's also yours I mean, it's up to you. No, I'm telling you, no, like it's mine. Um, whatever. You I mean, want. we might just be able to like bait people and be like, for XXX content, subscribe to the OnlyFans so you can get the <laughs> before and after. 
No, but you know what? I think I don't think you're gonna have to. I have a feeling that someone's gonna watch this and go, "Shit, that would be a great docu series," and I'd like to do that. So, mm. how do we how do we do that? Okay, so yeah. where um where can we follow you, and where can someone who did want to get in touch with you regarding any of this um get in touch? Yeah. So you can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter. They are the same handles. It's at Scherzer's Christ. And then on Facebook, I'm sure Pete. So C-H-E-R-P-E-T-E. Uh, yes, my surname is Peterson and I did cut it off slightly. I did it. It was a moment of madness and I don't wish to return now. So I'll stay there. But yeah, Scherzer's Christ on Instagram and Twitter. And then on Facebook, sure Pete. I am very, very active on Instagram. Yeah. Somewhat on Twitter, Facebook, mainly for work, but I'm more likely to respond to messages on Instagram or Facebook. Um, I want to give you the opportunity to use this platform to to canvas for donations. Don't pull a face. You you like if you want to, if you want to. Like yes, yes, yes. It's your platform. So how does one do this? What do we canvas? How do we? I don't say? know. You like don't you like pull at people's heartstrings? Isn't that how you? Okay. Like, you like make them cry. Okay. feel bad and then like make them open their wallets i don't know okay. i've been on this journey for 27 years it's been my life's journey to get to this point it is here that i ask you to support me on this journey donate share like boost in any way that you can to help me raise 200,000 rand to get me and my hardware to thailand to come back with some new hardware make sure you click the link it's Sher Peterson on Backup Party. Click it for my surgery and you can help a girl out there. Yes. Yes. I'm sad. I mean, I should have cried, surely. No, I'm just, I'm sad you left out the OnlyFans, but I mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, like if you want an OnlyFans, if you want an OnlyFans, like you can either tell me on Instagram and we can go. Um, I mean, do what you want to do, Sherry. Live your, live your best life, babe. It's up to you, you know? <laughs> no, I kid, I kid. Okay, well, this has been incredibly informative. Um, I do apologize if I was at all problematic or doff, um, nope. but it comes from a place of love. And I do genuinely love you. And I want you to, I want you to go to Thailand and I want you to take your producer friend with you. Um, and I want, I mean, you, guys, you know, the producer friend, as I know, well. no, I know. That's why I want, I want you guys to go. I see. love this journey for you. I love this journey for you guys, <laughs> but good luck, sure. And, um, you'll come back once it's done so that you can tell me about it. And yeah. Unpack all of the other shit that I wanted to ask you. So we run out of time for Absolutely. I'll be back. I'll be black. You stay white here. Oh, I love you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Remember, you can catch the full video on xotv.me and you can meet us in kind of real life. Thanks to DJ Chalk for the music. You can catch him at www.chalksprosound.co.za. New episodes on Jackpot and XOTV every Monday. Love you.